Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Okay, Flyover family, I am so excited about today's interview. This is a couple we actually met in January um, of 2020. Two, Two yep. I believe, in Arizona. They shared a, the story, a testimony that was absolutely amazing. They've since then moved to Warrior, Alabama, to Church International with, with Pastor Robin and Prophet Robin. So we get to see them every once in a while. But their story is so incredible. We had to share it One of our with favorite stories we've ever heard. It is. It, I share it all the time, so I can't wait to actually hear it from the sources. Welcome to the show, Connie and Reed Barfield! Welcome. We're excited to have you guys Hi. on and share this, but uh, if, if you mess up on any of the details, she'll probably correct you and yeah. make sure that it's right. So <laughs> you're, you're being fact-checked on your own story in real time. Exactly. So I need it. We want to stay out of your way because we do have limited time with you all today, but we want everyone to hear this incredible story of a miracle that happened in Reed's life. So fill us in. We'll let you all take over. You want to start? You uh, Well, everything started... Uh, it was February 3rd of 2019, Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. Uh, we'd gathered with family and friends, and uh, during the halftime show, uh, I had the Widowmaker heart attack. Um, that's where my part of it gets a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but I can do that little bit of an intro for it. <laughs> So the gist of it was, I didn't know he had a heart attack. I didn't know what was going on. I actually heard sounds from him and he was making a face. And I thought, what are you doing? Like, you're being weird. And it was a couple of seconds that it took me to realize something's not okay. And to call 911 and get emergency help. And from there, it was just a blur. I saw things, I heard things a wife is not supposed to witness um, or any human probably. Um, and I couldn't tell you how long they worked on him in our home. Uh, he eventually was transported to the hospital and I still had no clue it was a heart attack. I didn't know what happened. Um, and then when we got to the hospital, they took him, um, into a room and I remember telling my son, um, don't let me go anywhere by myself, like in a room by myself. Cause I've, I've experienced that in an, in another story, part of my testimony, but, um, I knew I didn't want to be alone. And I also knew I needed to be in worship. And I kept requesting everybody put on worship music, put on worship music. It was a Sunday. And I said, we played a song at church today. Anyways, I just needed to sit in my father's lap, had no clue for, I don't even know, it feels like forever before they let us go see him, um, his daughter and I still didn't, nobody had told me it was a heart attack. Um, I was able to talk to him a little bit and then he, we lost him again. They rushed us out and then they rushed him into an emergency surgery. At the end of that surgery was when I was told that he had a heart attack. They put um, three stents in his heart and essentially it was, if he makes it through the night, that's going to be right there. It'll be a miracle. And they hooked him up to a vest that would freeze him for 30 minutes, warm up for 30 minutes, trying to preserve all the organs and he um, obviously he made it through the night. The next day um, they said there was something else they wanted to try because everything was still so. Um, it was failing. Horrible. Everything was failing. 
So they rushed him in for a second surgery for a machine called the impella, which is to take pressure off the heart. So it does it, the, the heart and the machine dance. So every other beat is for the impella. It was in that surgery that his cardiologist pulled me into a room. Luckily, he said everybody could come in. So to me, I was like, yes, good news. <laughs> And in that situation was when he held my hands and gave me the info that um, technically Reed was already gone. They had him reconnected to life support so that everybody could come in because he's from the Carolinas. We were in Arizona at the time um, and that his every organ was in complete shutdown. The heart was non-responsive. It was the machine. It was falling flat and the heart was dead. Mm. Um, And um there's a whole longer story of all that situation in that, but they said, we're going to get him moved back to his room and get him cleaned up. You need to call everybody in. Um, They need to say their goodbyes. I said, I won't pull the plug. They said, you won't have to by morning. We'll start slowly lowering the machine and his body's just going to give out because everything has completely shut down. And um, God was in the room and people did start showing up and i had um this constant fight that i was in with what i was seeing with the natural eye and what my spirit was speaking and um i remember at one point i said something i couldn't tell you what it was but it must have sounded negative to the lord and my mom like snapped at me and i said no no i'm not saying he doesn't sit on the throne and i remember looking up at the ceiling in this room and i said I know that you sit on the throne and I, and I will still serve you, but I'm going to fight you for him. Wow. And, and I just remember that. And I remember also being really upset because everybody wanted me to accept what was happening. And I was like, they all like, where is your faith? Like, just meet me here. And anyway, so late that night after everybody had come and, and done their stuff and said goodbyes and I mean, people flew in and stuff. The nurse, this is the God, like another just God thing. The nurse on his own slowly or turned off um, sedation so that he could wake up. Um, And he did. He woke up. He opened his eyes. And so we were kind of like, what the heck? Well, earlier, I'm so sorry. Earlier, when everybody was in the room out of nowhere, his left leg kicked up and we were all like, what was that? And they had to do this whole thing of, when the brain stem is dying, the body has involuntary movement, blah, blah, blah. And they explain all those things to you. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, no, there's something else happening. Like I learned that day how deep our spirit is, like mm-hmm. how deep you can pull down into the core to search and to actually sit with Holy Spirit and like, okay, like regroup and and strengthen yourself as, as you're in this fight. And um, because nobody in my room was in the same place that I was. Everybody else had accepted it. And I was really just battling with the Lord because I had already surrendered in another situation when my daughter died many years earlier. And so I was like, no, I understood what grief was in a different way. And so I was just going through my own thing. And so anyway, hey, hey, Connie, so from from the moment in this halftime of the Super Bowl, these symptoms kicked in, you know, um, with the, with a heart attack, you call 911, ambulance comes mm-hmm. from that moment. Uh, Reed, were you in any kind of communication or any space? Or were you like, like blacked out, uh, like a coma type state? Like, was there any, 
was there any connection between the two of you verbally or any other signs from that moment forward? No, for me, uh, and I think it's uh, one of the provisions of God in this situation because of everything and how traumatic it was for my body. I'm actually glad I don't remember it. And uh, I actually lost a little bit of time before. So probably a week before, because I didn't even realize who had won the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. So I don't have memory of that or uh, a big portion of the time in the hospital. So that part's still blank. Uh, I pretty much woke up when I was in rehab and they were trying to get me to pass a swallow test. So it was much later into the story. Wow. I'd already learned to walk again and all of that, but I have no actual memory of it. Wow. Okay. So Connie, when were you out on the street looking up at the hospital room with the angel? You got to share that because that is so powerful. I'll never forget that story. So that was, well, so that part was after we had obviously made it from the first hospital to the second. So at the first hospital, because of that night, him not actually dying, when his cardiologist came in, um, he was like, I'm sorry that it looks positive, but there's no way 54 minutes of oxygen to the brain. It's paper mache, add water, it disintegrates kind of stuff. And I was, I laid hands on his head and started praying. And he said, no, Miss Barfield, he's in complete organ failure. Nothing's responsive. I laid hands on him and started praying and he got frustrated. I got frustrated. And I said, you're divinely appointed to be my husband's physician. And I'm not here to undermine you, but your science and education and my faith, just dance with me. Don't quit on this man. And he wouldn't. He, he wouldn't. And I got frustrated and turned to everybody that was in the hospital room with me. And at that very moment, God had a double rainbow placed outside his hospital room. And it was game on from there. I knew this man would live and make a full recovery. And I confessed that over him every day. And I told every person that worked on him, get on board with that because he's going to live and he'll make a full recovery, a complete and total. So anyways, now we fast forward to the next hospital because he didn't die. That same doctor who said that to me that day, the next day said, um, Ms. Barfield, I'll be your husband's primary care cardiologist when he recovers. I can't wait to meet him. And they put him on a helicopter and sent him to the nox- next hospital. Wow. So at the next hospital, he was in a coma for 10 days. Um, after on uh, the 13th of February was when he came out of off of intubation and all of that full life support. They, and he was awake. And um, gosh, it was there were so many things that happened. He'd go into AFib. He'd have, he had just other things that still happened and he'd get taken in for another surgery and all this stuff. And there'd be little glimpses of just the raddest things, um, him out breathing his breathing machine when he was still on life support and and different things like that. Um, They removed the impella two days after he got to that hospital because they said his heart's beating stronger and faster than the machine can keep up with. Four days after. Yeah. And so Anyways, one day they had to take him in for another thing and I was exhausted. I lived at the hospital for the first 16 days and just contended all the time. And and I would pray with him every day, even while he was in a coma. We would do worship songs every day. And then I made sure that worship music just flooded his room at all times. And um, I never allowed anybody to talk to him, especially while he was in a coma, like he was a body in a bed. I would introduce him formally to every person and and make sure that they knew that this was my husband that they were talking to and 
I had one of my most amazing girlfriends. She was kind of, I called her my worship leader. She would just, she didn't care what time it was. She didn't care if she was invited in. She would just, as God would put stuff on her, she would send me stuff and she would feed me songs to add to our playlist. And she had sent the um, Raise a Hallelujah. And he had gotten taken. I think he went in for dialysis at the time. And he used to do like six hour dialysis every day. And I went outside and I was marching up and down the street because I was just so exhausted. You know, when you're so exhausted, you can't even get full breath Mm -hmm. to just even speak. And I had my earbuds in and I just was playing that song over and over and walking up and down the sidewalk along the hospital and just weeping and contending for him. And, and, um, I had said to the Lord, like, don't take him from me. You know, we just got him. And it seems like one thing after another, but I believe you and I trust you. I just, I know you're doing something here. And, but I felt so alone. And I remember praying over his wing of the hospital. And as I turned to look at it, as far as the eye can see from the ground all the way up, and I can still right now visually see it. It's that strong of an image. Um, All the way around that wing up into the heavens was just, people, not angels in the sense of wings and halos and stuff, just people that look like us. And in that moment, he showed me who all was contending heaven for him because we had reached so many people through social media. His story was being shared and just people that we don't know that one day I pray I get to see their beautiful faces. Um, just battling wow. for him. And it was the raddest thing. Our prayers all matter, and they're counted, and they're acknowledged. That's beautiful. And God showed you that. That is absolutely incredible. Okay, so we kind of got you a little off there. Um, I just want to kind of, because I know the listeners are probably thinking, okay, so what happened when they said we're going to take him off the machine, and uh, the family had come in, but then he was taking off the drip, and his eyes opened. I just want to take you back to that real fast. So his nurse all on his own, none of us knew he was going to do this lower just his um, sedation. So he was still on the ventilator, but he was no longer being held in a a coma. And all of a sudden his eyes opened and there was myself and a few other people and the nurse and all of that. And um, he started making gestures and he would try and reach over. We thought he was reaching for one reason. Turns out later it was because he was trying to alert us to something happening in his arm. But, um, He couldn't obviously talk, but he would follow directions and blink. And then the only thing he would do was follow me with his eyes and he would just cry. And the the short version of it is my personal uh, primary care doctor is also really good friends. And she and another friend were there and just messed with him all night long until 4.30 in the morning. We would just say stuff to him and ask him if you understand blink, you know, like anything we could think of we were asking questions and, and he would blink and he would just cry and, and all of that. Um, and so that was until four 30 in the morning at like four 30 in the morning, they put him back under. And, um, I finally fell asleep cause I was excited and an angel came into my room, um, and whispered in my ear that I needed to immediately tell a doctor when they walked in to take the DNR out of his file because the day before, when the doctor said he's gone, I apparently, I don't recall it, but I trust his doctor. I said, let it like, don't try anything more type of thing. I don't know why I would say that because I was contending for him, but um, 
I was notified that that was in his file and I didn't know that it was there. And so she said, this angel said, take that, tell them, you have to verbally tell them, get that out of there. So I did. So they removed it because there was a DNR suddenly put in his um, thing. Mm -hmm. Then that's when his doctor came in and said, I'm sorry, I heard it was an eventful night. And I'm like ready to like, you know, dance kind yeah. of thing. And, and he's like, no, 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 I can't explain what happened, but it's impossible. There's no way. And, um, and that was when we went into uh, that back and forth and then the rainbow appeared. Wow. Okay. So I, I we're on limited time. So I want to kind of fast forward <laughs> a little bit to what's going on right now, because since that I've said you were in Arizona you moved to um, Alabama and had to get new physicians when you moved there. And yep. another miracle has happened since you've been there, kind of what they discovered when you went to this new physician. Well, just uh, a lot of things. They're uh, wanting to do a case study with uh, UAB and the VA, just looking at everything. And uh, when we got the call back from the cardiologist the first time he was telling us this and then he called back a couple days later well after after the uh ct yeah and stress test so he started seeing the va here in alabama um and that that physician the first time he saw him he admitted to him i stayed awake all night reading your file because yeah. He's like, so Reed's primary care cardiologist in Arizona is still his primary care cardiologist. Yeah. He's working with the VA. They share a portal on Reed. Okay. And so they were going over it and he was like, what? Uh, he couldn't believe it. The next morning, you and I were talking in the kitchen and I was like, how fun was that to tell this doctor who's never heard this? Because telling his story is always fun and rad to tell medical professionals. Oh, is yeah. funner Because <laughs> when you tell them all of the details, they're like, what? And I explained peeps and all of the different things and, and how it went. And they're just like, no way. So anyways, while we were laughing about it was when you got the first phone call and, and the guy says, so I got my um, supervisor involved in your, in your story. And he happens to be really very good friends with the head instructor at UAB of cardiology. And he says, and I'm going to let you know, the three of us have been on the phone all morning with Dr. Quinn in Arizona. And we want to do a case study on you. So they started setting up all of these appointments for him where they're checking all of his stuff. So yeah. he had to wear a heart monitor and he was doing heart mapping and echoes and MRIs, all these different things. Yeah. And that was when the newest thing that's just. So I have always contended that he was having that he would have a complete and total healing. So we decree all the time that those three stents would be dissolved. Dissolved. So he got a call. Not go ahead. Yeah. So basically, the cardiologist, what he was saying was, uh, so they're looking over thing, everything, all the results, uh, how everything looks, and what he was uh, explaining to us is everything looks great. Uh, the stress test, all the results are great. Uh, they're looking at everything. He actually said, if it wasn't for the three stents in your heart. I wouldn't know that you ever had a heart attack. There'd be no evidence that anything ever happened. If you wow. don't look at medical records be, and the heart, just like the brain, just like the kidneys will always show a bruise or show can show damage. His heart is at a hundred percent. 
and shows if it wasn't for the stents, there'd be no evidence that it ever happened. That is a miracle. So the thing that you've been actually praying would kind of disappear is actually pointing to a miracle that actually happened Wow! in yep. Reed's body. Yep. 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 That's the proof. We dream it up. <laughs> we dream it up, but God does it so much bigger than we can even think of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, it just blows my mind. Every time I hear your story, like, yeah, as you could tell, I tell it often. I mean, I know about the street and all of that because it's so exciting yeah. because it's not just things that we read about in the Bible. It's not just, you know, Jesus praying for somebody and they get healed. We're seeing these things today and we're going to see it more and more and more. Yes. In fact, you guys just came out of a church service on Sunday um, that there was miracles. A blind person can now see. Yes. Yeah. That was, and it was so rad. It, what's really rad about it is we know him personally um and so we've watched him for all those months coming in and out um there was multiple people arthritic hands uh we know some of those people also very personally and then this um woman at the end who stood who has not been able to stand up straight i don't even know how how many years um and needs assistance with a walker and all this other stuff and God actually told Reed or gave Reed a dream in yeah. the end of May specifically about that woman and showed that she would be. So she's aware of that. And he was able to share that with her and stuff. And I had to stay home Sunday because I woke <laughs> up with um, at three o'clock in the morning with a migraine. Oh, no. That just. Yeah. So he was in person. I was watching from home. And while the service was happening, immediately my migraine left. Wow. No residual yeah. of it. Nothing. That is yep. so incredible. I love it. God is absolutely good. He is absolutely yes. and, and he's still good. on the throne and he still heals. Yep. And those Amen. things are not of the Amen. past. They're today. And I think I think there's even bigger and better and more healings yes. ahead than ever before. I think we're yes. entering into a, a, an era where that people always want I want things to go back to the normal, you know, like before COVID, or I want no. all these normal. I I think we're gonna have a new normal and it's gonna be more yes. stories like this. That yes. is exactly yes. right. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us today. I could not wait for the Flyover family to hear this story. And it keeps getting better and better and better because God always does that. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your willingness to share. Thank you for being a part of the Flyover family. We sure love you. And we're so excited to be able to share it with the family. Hello, Flyover family. Join me every Wednesday for the Prophetic Report at 1111 Central. You can find it on Rumble. You can find it on the Flyover app. We have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like Robin Bullock, Julie Green, Barry Wunsch, Amanda Grace, and Hank Kuhneman. Every week, it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking. And what's interesting is God is speaking through them. And all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media. But the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. When you see that the dollar is worth less, literally every single month, and for the first time in our life, the 80-year run of the dollar being the supreme thing around the world is going away. This is not going to be artificially propped up much longer because it's not respected around the world. 
And so some of our friends may think we're crazy. We talk about silver right now, buying silver, buying silver, buying silver. And they're like, what are you talking about? Why not the stock market? What is your problem? What are you thinking? It's kind of like that 2008, 2009 time period. It's like, I think in a very yep. short period of time, there's going to be a lot of people that wished they would have bought silver. I know that Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott is the number one best person to trust and to take care of you in this situation. That is exactly right. If you want to set up a free consultation with Dr. Kirk Elliott, you just go to flyovergold.com. When you scroll down to the bottom, there's a place you can fill out your information. When you do that, someone from Dr. Kirk's team will get a hold of you, help answer questions for you. It's a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Or you can call 720-605-3900. Do it today. You will be glad you did. All right, let's get our stuff together here. Hi, I'm David Whitey. <laughs> if we can skip the hi, my name's David part, because that's where I got it tend to derail. Hi. But I did good. See, look. First thing says, say your name. Say your name, David Whitey. Have you been wondering what to do with the spare time you have on Saturday mornings? Have I got a way for you to fill that time? Not cleaning your garage, folding your laundry, or doing something with yourself. Filling your head with worthless information about what may or may not have happened 5,000 years ago. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or about chemtrails in the sky? Or have you ever had a friend at, at school talk to you about... Friend at school. <laughs> Some days when you're sitting there with your lunch pail and you're talking to your friends at school, they, they bring up your flat earth and you think it's a flat I don't know if your flat earth is flat or not. I don't know. Alligators are angry because they got all those teeth and no toothbrush. And it's all true. And we talk about it every Saturday. <laughs> we talk about Rubik's Cubes and stuff. We like to have conversations with people that have made documentaries, written books. Oh, this is terrible. I can like feel myself hating watching this later. Okay, give me a swoosh. Let's do this thing for real this time. Bye. Got a show for you. <laughs> my, my, hang on, my, my eyes red now. You won't be able to tell in there. Peter can fix it. He can run it through a filter. Can he run it through the Brad Pitt filter and get rid of the, my red eyes? Oh, I'm probably doing the world a disservice.